Welcome back to Well That's Interesting, the Animal Makeover edition. What? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, I'm so excited. This is, this is exciting. Today's exciting for a number of reasons. I don't know what to expect. <laughs> We're making, oh my gosh, this That's is like true. clear eye for animals. Kind of, kind of. Uh, today is in between 075, orange crocodiles. Sure. <laughs> and camels using Botox. Okay. <laughs> Whatever makes them happy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Jill Chacha, and I am with just the very curious uh, Marissa Riley. That's me. <laughs> I... I'm equal parts excited and worried because something tells me Mm. camels didn't like walk up to a plastic surgery technician and say like, hey, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) plump me up. I feel not as cute as I once was. (laughs) That's right. Let's change it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've got stories today. Uh, Before we get into that, though, if this is your first time listening... Welcome to the flock. Welcome. Dr. Riley here uh, comes in cold and learns everything in real time, just like you. It's true. I had no idea what we were going to talk about today, as you could hear by my uh, excited squeals. (laughs) Uh, But I am thrilled and and just like, I have no idea what to expect. You should be thrilled. You should be concerned. As usual. Always concerned. (laughs) As usual. Always. Do I even need to say that at this point? I was... I can't remember a, a time in the last three years where I wasn't concerned. <laughs> That's right. Like, so much concern. So true. So true. Uh, today we've got two stories. Uh, one where nature gives some crocodiles a new do, if you will. Cute. And one of humans doing what humans do best. Uh, you guessed it, breaking the rules to win beauty competitions. Oh, this sounds bad. Okay. <laughs> I am concerned. Full concerned. Full concern now. Full concern. Okay. Uh, I guess we should begin, though. Absolutely. Let's right. do it. Let's begin. Let's shall. And to do so, we have to go way back in time, seemingly to another dimension, 2008. Oh, my God. I graduated from high school. Don't think about that too hard. Um, yeah. Aww, oh, little, wait. Little Dr. Riley. Yeah. Very cute. It was a, yeah. Razor phones. Mm-hmm. Blackberries. Yes. No, I don't think, uh, I didn't know anyone with an iPhone yet. I no. don't think. No. Think about that, kids. That's right. Life without email on your phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 2008. And we're, th- and we're with a very sweaty but determined researcher named Richard Osla... Os- oh, wow. Richard Oslisley. 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 Oh, Richard, yeah, you've had a, a long one. life of telling people how to pronounce your name. Yeah. Um, Including I'm so us. Sorry. I'm sorry. Oslisley. 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 Richard. Richard. Yeah. <laughs> now, Richard is an archaeologist who spent his life looking for signs of our ancient human ancestors, signs such as rock paintings or engravings, and his quest led him to the super remote Abanda Caves in Gabon. Oh, Gabon. Now, where in the world is all this, you ask? Don't worry, I got you. Uh, my friends, imagine Africa. You got it. Okay, now point to the middle. Where the equator cuts through. Sure. Now move your finger all the way to the left. Okay. Until you're on the west coast. And here is the tiny but truly gorgeous nation of Gabon. Gabon. Right on the Atlantic coast of Central Africa. Sweet. Now do yourself a favor and give Gabon a Google. 
Come on uh, to Google. That's right. There's just mangroves and tidal beaches galore. It's fucking gorgeous. Oh, I love it. But uh, we're on no beach. No. Of course not. <laughs> no. Of course not. Never. Not no. on this podcast. No. 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 We're up a butt. <laughs> kind of. Um, we're at the mouth of a cave filled to the brim with 50,000 bats and millions of insects. Now that sounds more like That's it. Right. That sounds... <laughs> Right where, well, that's interesting, should be. That's right. In the middle of bat shit. <laughs> uh, it sounds, I feel like this cave smells bad. Oh, yeah. Yes, put a, t- put a pin in that. But it's a home sweet home for 50,000 bats. Yes, I, it is. For which someone. I respect. Mm-hmm. Yes. And insects. Uh, well, also good news, it's uh, also pitch black. Of course it is. <laughs> These are the types of caves Richard explores. But on this very special day, he didn't find human handprints or animal drawings. Inside this cave, he stumbled upon, you guessed it, crocodiles. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> of course, in this cave that's dark and full of bats and bat shits, uh, bat shits, bat yes. shit, and bugs, there are giant uh, uh, lizards. There are fucking They're not crocodiles. lizards, but they're crocodiles. <laughs> they look like, anyways. Tell me more. Thank you, Doctor. Now, if you thought crocodiles in caves is a little weird, uh, you're right. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) See? I could have told you that. Our reptilian friends are usually chilling in rivers or sunbathing on riverbanks. So needless to say, cave crocs were a bit of a surprise. Mm -hmm. Um, And as you can imagine, Richard, an archaeologist, was not equipped or ready to deal with these types of pointy creatures, so he exited the cave. Smart, smart. (laughs) I just want to point out that cave crocs sounds like the ugliest shoe I've ever seen. (laughs) I just had to rewind and take that opportunity really fast. But I'm so happy Richard left the cave. Yeah, that was (laughs) definitely a murderino. He left the cave. Good. Don't even fucking go in, but he left good good. job Richard I can't tell you how many times Jill and I scream at people in in horror movies which is the one time and place where people should be going in caves and we're like what are you doing what are you doing that's right I I don't know what accent that was was little Long Island yeah a little Long Island a little little coffee (laughs) so he exited the cave However, the discovery of cave crocs had to be explored. <laughs> so ugly. So disgusting. Okay. And it turns out these cave crocs, who they are, their lifestyle, and what they look like is more bonkers than anyone could have imagined. Let's get into it. Ooh, yeah, I'm like, trying to imagine just like... Uh-huh. What they look like? Blind crocodile? I bet they're... Not no? blind? No. I'll give you that. I'll, okay. I'll, yeah. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Sounds good. Tell me more. <laughs> okay. Let's fast forward to 2010. All right. Dr. Marissa, please tell us, according to Jeremy Hans of TheGuardian.com, who did Richard return to the caves with, and what did they drag outside? Oh, God. Okay. Uh, quote, two years later, he returned to the cave. Uh, he, I'm going to start again. Quote, two years later, he returned with cave scientist Olivier Testa and crocodile specialist Matthew Shirley. They caught the first cave crocodile then, and when they carried it outside, they discovered that its skin was not gray. Uh, almost bluish gray was not these. Oh, you know what? I'm going to get this right. <laughs> Keep going. Uh, and when they carried it outside, they discovered that its skin was not the gray, almost bluish gray of a normal African dwarf cro- crocodiles, but orange, end quote. So just to summarize that that m- my inability to read. Um, 
the crocodile was orange and not the usual bluish gray. You got it. That it normally is. That's right. That sounds really scary. I would be so alarmed. I'd be like, Mm -hmm. this is an alien. Yeah, right? It's such, this is clearly an alien. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot going on in that paragraph. Like, what the fuck is an African dwarf crocodile? Now, before we break all this shit down, I just want to show you a photo of said crocodile. How does that God. sound? Yes. <laughs> I like to show you a photo of that crocodile and that crocodile in comparison to its usual counterparts. And of course, of course, all photos uh, we talk about today will be on our social media stuff. So please come on by and look at a fucking orange crocodile. Do it. Uh, I've got a headshot and then a body shot. You want to see the headshot first? Yes. Okay. Here is the headshot of our crocodile friend. It is orange, you guys. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. It is orange. It's kind of like like a gray and orange, like a kind of grayish brown mm. spots and then a lot of orange spots. Yeah. It's like a it's like a blood orange. Yeah. Uh and then there's kind of like a yellowish to it. It's very cool. Um yeah, it, it yeah. Yeah, there you go. And, yeah. it's, and its friend is uh, just brown. Its friend is just brown. <laughs> you can tell brown. Um, one is jealous. Yeah. I would be jealous <laughs> if I was just gray and not this really cool orange that it's yeah. actually pulling off, which no one can do. Yeah, they're definitely giving each other the side eye. I mean, it's like when your friend gets a new do and you're kind of a little jealous. It's kind of like, that's what it looks like right now. What's yeah. happening. And then you low-key get a do the next week and <laughs> act like it was your idea. That's right. Um, yep. <laughs> that's, that's totally what's happening. Okay, so now I have a body shot. Please, Dr. Marissa, tell us, uh, what does the underbelly of these orange crocodiles look like? Oh, my God. Ah! <laughs> it is creamsicle orange. It is straight up creamsicle orange. If you, I don't know how familiar you are with undersides of uh, crocodiles. <laughs> Very <laughs> very um excuse me <laughs> usually usually they're kind of white-ish they're a, a paler color mm-hmm. a lighter color and and here instead of a pale lighter color it's just orange it's just like a creamsicle yeah. orange it's awesome it's so it's so cool it's, it's a cool it's almost like a little golden sunset ish it is a golden sunset <laughs> it's like a turmeric Ooh, I like Isn't that, that too. great? Love it. It's a turmeric latte. Turmeric belly. Yeah. I love it. Okay, let's talk a little bit about our friends, the African dwarf crocodiles. Yes, please. Now, I think they're as cute as they sound. Mm. Um, according to their wiki, dwarf crocodiles can be found across tropical regions of sub-Saharan West Africa and Central Africa, and they usually hang out, usually in streams, small rivers, swamps, pools, mangroves, you know. Not caves. Yeah. Um, yeah. And again, usually foraging is done near water or within forests nearby bodies of water where they feed on small animals like fish, crabs, frogs, gastropods, insects, lizards, water birds. Ugh. So many. And as their name suggests, they, they're so teeny. Oh my gosh. They're actually really teeny. Uh, now they grow at most to five or six feet in length. Oh. Five or six feet in length, and they weigh 40 to 70 pounds. That's so cute. Uh, for comparison, your average crocodile is like 9 to 13 feet long, <laughs> and, and they could weigh well over 800 pounds. So That's incredible. And yeah. these guys do look like petite, I think is the word oh. I would use. Mm-hmm. It's hard to tell. There's. I, I wish there was something in these pictures like for scale, like a little dollar bill or like... <laughs> 
I don't know, a, yeah. a, a Thomas train or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they look kind of petite. They usually when I see a crocodile from like you know Louisiana, it's, no, she's fat. She's big. I mean, fat. That's rude. She's but she's you know, she's living her best life. She's living her best life. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yeah, these are just they look like baby crocodiles. Yeah, kind of little anyway, babies. Yeah. So let's get back to these cave crocs who as you can tell are not your avid average dwarf crocodile you're probably wondering why the fuck are they living in caves and why the fuck are they that golden orange color i very much so yeah (laughs) well let's not bury the lead any longer dr marissa please take it away and answer our first question nothing would make me happier all right from josh Gabatis of NewScientist.com, quote, while crocs sometimes retreat underground during droughts, this is the first population documented taking up long-term residence in caves. The team's crocodile expert, Matthew Shirley, from the Rare Species Conservatory Foundation, soon realized why they had done so. A bounty of ready-made snacks was falling into the water or lining up to be plucked off the cave walls. Holy Mm -hmm. shit. Uh, You walk in there and there are just bats and crickets everywhere, he says. (laughs) The crocodiles are pretty good hunters anyway, but even if they didn't have to pull bats off the walls, there are individuals falling to the floor all the time. Mm -hmm. End quote. So basically, they saw a buffet. Yep. And moved in. Exactly right. I have never respected anyone more in my <laughs> life. I have never, you know, I love so many restaurants, but never once has it occurred to me to just move in <laughs> and exactly wait for them did. to give me food. <laughs> that is incredible. I'm doing everything wrong. You know what I'm doing this afternoon? Mm-hmm. I'm moving into a restaurant. There is a pizza place three blocks from our place. We're moving we in. That's right. We're just not going to leave. No. Nope. I mean, it's brilliant. What are they going to do? Kick us out? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a great fucking idea, and it seems to be paying off for them. Uh, according to the team's study called Diet and Body Condition of Cave-Dwelling Dwarf Crocodiles, this population appears to be in better physical condition than their forest counterparts, especially the younger ones. Interesting. quote, yeah. Interesting. So they're beefier and, of course, a completely different color. Yes. In fact, the deeper the researchers went into the cave, they found older and more brightly colored crocs. I am obsessed. (laughs) I am obsessed. So... Their theory as to how they're getting brighter with age in a dark cave of all places? Yes. Quote, the water these crocodiles swim through is essentially an alkaline slurry formed from bat droppings. Oh, shut up. The urea in bat guano makes the water very basic, Matthew Shirley says. Eventually, that will erode away the skin and change its color. From NewScientist.com. It's poop. It's poop. It's poop. It's poop, everyone. (laughs) <laughs> oh my gosh, and it's dyeing their skin That's psychedelic right. colors. I love that the farther they get That's right. and the older they get, the more glam they are. That's right. I am obsessed with this. <laughs> the answer, my friends, as always on this podcast, is poop. Yes. They are swimming in bat poop. And the longer they stay in the shit pool, the brighter they become. I love it. So, I love how we did actually come to a butt related we conclusion. We were today. butt adjacent. We were butt adjacent. We we really we we draw that line. That's right. 
We, we make it there every week. Any way possible. Any will, way possible. I will make a mental gymnastics situation happen for us to talk about a butt in some way. And it's always worth it. Yes. Always. <laughs> so that answers that question. But I know what else you may be thinking. Like, don't they need the sun? And, oh, yeah. Yeah, right? And where do they lay their eggs? Great questions. Yes. Dr. Marissa, let's tag team this. Uh, please tell us a little bit more about the case. I would absolutely love to. All right. From theguardian.com, quote, crocodiles are ectotherms, which means they need ambient heat in order to survive, let alone thrive. But Richard says the cave crocodile's conditions aren't that different from the outdoor ones. They both hunt in the dark. African uh, dwarf crocodiles are primarily nocturnal. And the temperature in the cave waters is a stable and balmy 71 degrees Fahrenheit. End quote. Nice. So it's warm. Mm -hmm. They were going to be in the dark anyway. There you go. Might as well That's hang right. in a cave. That's right. With the free food yeah. and the, the fun makeup situation go. from the poo. That's right. It's our fun geniuses. makeup situation. Yeah. They're like, it, this is their euphoria high. That's right. <laughs> I'm loving it. They're so glam. Without so, the drama. Yeah. No drama here. Unless there's something I don't know about. <laughs> who knows? So that's lovely. Uh, as for breeding, well, this is more up in the air. Matthew Shirley doesn't believe they can reproduce in caves, uh, telling NewScientist.com, quote, it's a nesting ecology thing. They need big mounds of rotting vegetation to lay their eggs in. Ah, here's the drama. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but on the other hand, though, larger crocs have been seen in the caves during the wet season, which is when they should be making those nests outdoors. So... Yeah, so more research has to be done there. But I think that sounds dangerous as fuck. I mean, being in a dark cave surrounded by crocodiles who could be potentially protecting nests is uh, dangerous. Yeah. Dangerous. Can, can you imagine pitch black? I, I, I was like, I, I a don't... sea of crocodile nests? No. No. It's, it's like that scene in Alien where Ripley like walks in. Oh my God. On all the egg sacs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also like... I, I think they're very capable of adapting to this cave. Fuck yeah. We adapted to living inside. That's right. So well that I honestly never want to go outside. It's yeah, we get it. It's a rare occasion. Yeah. We, we totally vibe with these crocodiles. Yeah. So, I mean, good for them. Good for, for adapting and figuring something more comfortable out. <laughs> I, yes. I I cannot respect these crocodiles enough for completely adapting their life to being around food. That is so, it's poetic. Slow, yeah, slow applause, everyone. Let's do it. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> so uh, whatever their breeding process is, it has been successful. And we do know it's been happening for generations. That's right. They're different on the outside, and it turns out they're different on the inside, too. Oh. Quote, genetic evidence to date suggests that the cave crocs may be splitting from their outside relatives. Oh. One of the haplotypes, a fancy word for a set of genes from one parent, one of those haplotypes of the cave crocodiles has not been found in the outside African dwarf crocodiles. Interesting. Quote, this makes the crocodiles in the caves of the Abanda stand out as an isolated genetic group, explained <gasps> Richard. He says that the data to date shows that this cave group split off thousands of years ago from its outdoorsy relatives. End quote. From theguardian.com. So 
So they're adapting on a genetic level. Yeah. That is so crazy. Are we adapting on a genetic level? Give it, give it, give it like another year. I yeah. know. It's <laughs> probably. <laughs> I like how it's been like barely years. You know? And I'm like, have I already, have my genes changed yet? <laughs> We, we kind of talked about, um, what was it, gene, genetic... Um, oh, um, expression. Expression, expression, how our genes are expressed, how that could possibly change, but that it doesn't mean our actual genes right. are changing. Yeah. DNA, That's uh, that was the space episode, the, uh, what was it called? It was called uh, More Uncomfortable Things About Space. Check so, so cool. It will make right. you equal parts uncomfortable, but also kind of giddy because it's so fascinating. Yeah, I exactly. love space stuff. So fucking great. So, my friends, if you identify... As an indoor cat, you can now identify as an indoor croc. That's me. That's right. Yes. <laughs> they're real. They're shiny. And after the break, we're at a, we're at a camel beauty contest. All right. <laughs> sure. And there's cheating afoot. Of course. That's there right. always is. <laughs> Stay tuned. Please do. And we're back. We are so back. We're so back. And I hope you like festivals. Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and camels, because boy howdy, there are literally thousands of them at this world-renowned and extremely intense yearly party-slash-competition. My friends, I'm talking about the week-long Aldafra Festival. Cue the electronic music. Aldafra Festival. Okay, I hate myself. Sorry. <laughs> Tell me. Hurry up and talk. Okay. <laughs> So the Aldafra Festival takes place within the Rub al-Kali, or the Empty Quarter, which is a very beautiful but very empty desert. Fascinating. Uh, it happens to be the largest sand desert, desert in the world, a vast stretch of the Arabian Desert measuring a whopping 250,000 square miles. Why do people love to have festivals in the middle of nowhere? <laughs> That happens so... It used to happen in the 2010s. That, that was, was a big thing. I don't know if people still do it after COVID and fire Festival, but... Yeah. You guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so this is a massive, massive desert, and a part of it bumps up against the city of Madinat Zayed, which is where the festival takes place. Okay, that makes me feel yeah, better. So it's a little bit closer to a city. Good. Now, you're probably wondering where in the world... Do you put a desert like this? Don't worry, I got you. Everyone, imagine Egypt. You got it. All right. To our right is the Red Sea. Uh -huh. Hello. Hop over that, and now you're in Saudi Arabia. And to the southeast of Saudi Arabia is the tiny nation of the United Arab Emirates. You got it. I'm there. Emirates, sorry. Emirates. <laughs> uh, dab smack at the center of the United Arab Emir Emirates is... Nailed it. <laughs> Is Madinat Zayed, and right next door to this city is the Al Dafra Festival. It's a poppin'. I, I, I yes, <laughs> so, I believe you. Back in 2019, New York Times reporter Kiki Streitberger attended and wrote a fantastic article called "The Beauty Queens of Al Dafra." Ooh, yes, I thought. Dr. Marissa, you and I could tag team reading from it because it so wonderfully explains slash describes this festival. What do you say? I am so down. Okay. Yes, please. Okay, take it away, Dr. Marissa. You got it. All right. Quote, I had just arrived at the Al Dafra Festival and young boys in kandaras or long tunics were running toward my car, shouting as they pointed their index fingers in the air. Camel number one, camel number one. 
In the distance, two men rode camels, each pulling another of the animals on a leash. One of the camels was draped in a gold-tasseled, a gold-tasseled winner's blanket. The annual Aldafra festival celebrates Bedouin traditions and takes place at the edge of the Rub al-Khali. Highlights of the gathering include Saluki races, the dogs are prized by the Bedouin because of their speed and eyesight, mm-hmm. poetry readings and exhibitions on falconry and traditional artisanship. From fresh dates to camel milk, there's, there's also an array of food and drink. I'm so down. Yeah. At the heart of the festival, however are the Camel Beauty Contest. Holy shit. All right, continuing the quote. During the week-long event, Aldafra is the epicenter, epicenter, I knew that word, of (laughs) the camel universe. In 2019, the year I attended, more than 24,000 camels from all over the Middle East competed for 60 million Emirati dirham in prize money, the equivalent of more than 16 million dollars. Vast sums of money also change hands as particularly beautiful camels are sold. Some participants trace the origins of the beauty contest to a family dispute in 1993 where where two camel breeders had to call on some uh, independent judges to determine whose animals were more beautiful. Since then, camel beauty contests have evolved into a multi-million dollar industry. Holy shit. <laughs> With state-sponsored heritage festivals held all across the country. That's right. The aim of the Aldafra Festival which was formally initiated by the government in 2008, is to celebrate Bedouin culture, generate tourism, and preserve the purity of certain camel breeds. Camel beauty competitions are divided into different categories according to breed, age, sex, and whether a camel is owned by a sheik or a tribesman. The criteria, however, remain the same. The ideal camel has, a long, has long straight legs, a long neck, a shapely hump in just the right mm. spot mm. on its lower back, <laughs> pert ears, expressive eyes framed by upward curled eyelashes, oh, yes. long droopy lips, put a pin in that, Okay. and of course, a sleek coat and elegant posture, end quote. All right. Two things come to mind, which are rodeos, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, are in the South, which America. are like beauty competitions for... You know, cows and horses and stuff. Yep. Um, also, dog shows. That's right. This is just like a dog show for camels. You got it. Am I right? That's exactly it. Oh, yeah. my God. I nailed it. <laughs> Tell me more, Jill. Exactly. My friends, at the end of the day, though, there can only be one. One champion. Yes. And in 2019, that winner belonged to the Almu Harami family. And her name was Wahila. Oh, that's a beautiful I name. Know. Dr. Marissa, would you like to see Wahila draped in the winner's cloak? Oh, please. The All sooner, right. the please. better. <laughs> please please tell us what she looks like, how she stands out among all the others in the room. Why is she just so jaw-droppingly beautiful? Uh, here she is. I, I'm, I, I feel like this is a calling of mine, like... <laughs> I, really? I feel like I should be judging camels more often, but I mean, this is a gorgeous camel. Um, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't because she kind of looks like the other camels. Um, <laughs> but she looks yeah. great. She looks incredible. She, she looks great. She's got like a, a pretty legs. 
and pretty little feet situations mm -hmm. and and she's got a pretty face um she's also the tallest fucking thing in the room <laughs> look how tall she is she is the tallest she is the tallest thing this reminds me of when i used to go to lesbian bars and i would be the tallest <laughs> person there um but yeah she is the tallest camel and she's gorgeous she's fucking gorgeous um yeah here's another photo uh of the type of camels that are entered into the competition uh these aren't wearing any winner's cloaks so we get to see their body Ooh. Ooh. so this is what they look like typically they look gorgeous they look very toned yeah um they they look very fit they look perfect yeah. they look like yeah they look like a, if you close your eyes and you imagine a perfect camel that's what that's what i'm looking at yeah very a... very well kept too they look like they've been groomed yes. washed pampered you know, pampered it doesn't look like a, when i imagine a camel most of the time they're kind of like about to spit <laughs> a they're frumpy. amazing they're gorgeous but yeah i i a little frumpy. A little on the frumpy side. Yeah, these are definitely not frumpy. No. Now, my friends, I wish I could say that Wahila and every participant galloped away into the sunset at the end of a day, drama-free and, <laughs> <laughs> and filled with sportsmanlike conduct. Lol. Nay, for this beauty competition is a sport. Yes. And where there's sport, there's going to be some shady shit happening around the corner. You know it. Yeah, join me, will you? Just a year prior, in 2018... Dr. Marissa, would you please tell us what shady shit took place around the competition at that time, according to thenationalnews.com? I would be so happy to spill some camel tea. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Quote, in pursuit of the perfect pout, a dozen camels have been disqualified from a camel beauty pageant in Saudi Arabia for receiving Botox injections. Mm -hmm. What distinguishes a beautiful camel is not just height, shape, and the placement of its hump, but also a full droopy lip and large features are essential to achieving camel celebrity status in the multi-million dollar industry of camel pageantry. They use Botox for the lips, the nose, the upper lips, the lower lips, and even the jaw, said Ali Al Mazuri, uh, Maz Mazroy, Maz uh, 31, a regular attendee at golf festivals and son of a top Emirati breeder. It makes the head more inflated. So when the camel comes, it's like, oh, look at how big that head is. It has big lips and a big nose, end quote. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Not okay. No, it's not. These camels have more like shit in their face than like a, a low tier Kardashian. That's right. This is, I mean, like well put. Yeah, I couldn't have summed it up better. Yeah, well done, doctor. You're welcome. <laughs> but, but this is not okay. I know you it's can't really. Put, you can't put cosmetics in a in a unwilling camel. I know. I know. Yeah, just days before the festival started, uh, Saudi media reported that a veterinarian was caught performing facial and head augmentations on camels. You guys. Yeah. Uh, at his clinic, the animals were, quote, not only given Botox, but went under the knife to reduce the size of their ears. No. I know. Delicate ears are a winning attribute on some Saudi breeds. Wow. End quote. Now, 
Needless to say, Saudi authorities and organizers of the festival and sport are cracking down, and cracking down harder than ever. In 2021, just last year, at another popular festival, the King Abdulaziz Camel Festival, you know the one, uh, Dr. (laughs) Dr. Marissa, do you want to take a guess like how many camels were disqualified for Botox injections and other artificial touch-ups? I mean, give me a number. I, uh, I'm gonna go with five. Five. Okay, okay. I have a feeling. <laughs> what is it like? Twenty. Okay, you're getting closer. Getting close. Thirty. Okay, is that your final answer? Yeah. Okay, that is a great number because forty. Ah. <laughs> forty animals were given the boot with their owners being slapped with fines for stretching out lips and noses, for using hormones to pump up muscles, no. for Botox injections, of course, and finally for, get this, quote, inflating body parts with rubber bands, according to the Associated Press. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, yeah. no. Mm. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, it just it, it, it just worries me. Be- I mean, it beyond worries me. It's disgusting. But, yeah. like... This isn't their choice. It's like, it's, I don't know. It's cruel. It's cruel. It's cruel. It's so cruel. Now, in this particular competition, uh, $66 million was up for grabs. (gasps) So, shocker, people resorted to whatever they could to get rich. And what can I say? Be it camel, dog, football, or baseball, there's always some asshole who ruins the fun. Always! (laughs) Stop ruining the camel fun. I really liked it. That, yeah. I mean, it sounded fun. Also, I, that much plastic surgery, just put in your own face and be an influencer. <laughs> that's right. You know? Then you can consent to it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, you know. Yeah, influencer camel. Just, there you go. Do, do don't, that don't instead. Compete. Or, yeah. <laughs> Enough. I figured it out. There you go. The end. The end. Ah. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Thank you, everyone, for listening, rating, subscribing, telling your friends about the camels and the amazing crocodiles that just park their ass and eat all day. Genius. Just so good. Heroes. Yeah, just heroes. And please, stay interesting. Please do.